Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. Good to be with you again, Father. Likewise. The busyness continues this month, doesn't it? It does. It's exciting, but a little overwhelming. Tell you're, you what. You're fine. You're only switching jobs, moving to a new city, have new housing, new offices, new responsibilities. You're fine. Yeah, with a little vacation <laughs> sprinkled in there, which has just, which I had a, like a clean, orderly sitting room for a couple days mm-hmm. and then when i moved all my boxes and stuff to unpack it's just a mess and i've gotten back and i'm like Ugh. and then i pack up and i leave again Ugh. <laughs> and i just look forward to leaving again so yeah. hopefully i'll get my life organized eventually well good luck my thank you <laughs> in my seven years in the vocations office i don't think my apartment ever felt clean and orderly because i was constantly <sighs> just repacking crap i just had <laughs> i just had like the suitcase just on standby ready to go at all times yeah. Um, but maybe you'll just thrive with that and <laughs> yeah, have it we'll just see. all orderly and so much better than I could ever mm-hmm. maintain. Because that's me, orderly and maintained. We know you're Not. a disciplined man. <laughs> Father, as we get this very important episode out, we need to do a, a quick little public service reminder to all of our listeners. Oh. Just to stay safe on the roads. Okay. We just want them to stay safe. And I'll tell you why. There's a... There's a seminarian in the Diocese of Sioux City who will remain nameless. We, we'll have to give him a fake name. Okay. Well, let's call him Timmy. Timmy Mitz-Simmons. <laughs> Timmy Mitz-Simmons was recently driving back with another seminarian. We'll call him Blake Posenmeyer. <laughs> Both of these seminarians were just so enraptured with our podcast about Cast Catholic. They were listening to while they were they driving. They were. They were wow. listening. They were wow. coming home from an ordination of a buddy... They were just so enraptured and maybe so yeah, inspired. Enthralled probably would be yes, by the wisdom that was coming through the airwaves. They got a speeding ticket. Oh, I boys. Think, I think the enthusiasm for the faith yeah. translated into this kind of adrenaline, which, adrenaline yeah. which pushed the foot down, you know. And However, yeah. um, I think probably like regardless of whatever was playing over the. Um, over the speakers, the, uh, the unnamed seminarian, I think yes. has a bit of a reputation for a lead foot. Oh, is so that right? I don't know if it's directly correlated. Well, he told um, me it was. Uh, well, a good excuse. A great excuse. He's also a good talker. You think? Talk <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say that um, I hope that this keeps the adrenaline pumping on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just, yeah, I would caution everybody as well um, to be careful on the roads. We, yes. we know we're exciting. Yes. We know we're quite uh, thrilling. Yeah, listening to two Midwest priests talk about theological topics, gripping, gripping material here. It gets here. you going. <laughs> yeah, it pumps you up. I would also encourage Sister Carolyn. Oh. She was uh, not driving. She was not driving, but with a community member involved in a minor fender bender at a fast food you know, stop. Due to the podcast. Not perhaps due to the podcast. We just oh, as a general we'll service, under the bus. <laughs> no, as a general service reminder, we just encourage all of our listeners to, to stay safely. safe. That's, that's all. That, that is we really are cool. interested in their general safety. That's good. Yes. Um, 
blast from the past. I had I told her I'd give her a shout out. Okay. Um, Megan from Omaha. Yes. We're hanging out at a, a parishioner's house next to Father Taylor's house. Another Father Taylor shout out. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was kind of thrown back to some like some some young seminarian Father Shane Demon days, which was um, excited to hear about. Back when she was an undergrad with my sister. Yeah, and yeah. visited you in Rome. And I was like, I was like, man, if only I could have been back to hear some of those stories because I'm going to know those. Just no. know kind of. No, you're not. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're just gone. They're gone. They're, they gone faded the into history. So, well, that's good. Well, we'll stay safe on the roads. Stay safe on the roads, everybody. Um, safe on the treadmills. Safe walking your dog or wherever you might be listening to your favorite Outcast Catholic episode. Mm. Father Travis, um, this month marks the fifth anniversary of my dad's death. Mm-hmm. It's gone by very fast. I can't believe it's been five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a, a wonderful uh, kind of moment to pause and think in this anniversary of what his life has meant and uh, what he continues to give me even beyond the grave. Mm. And I'd, I'd just really like to kind of focus for a moment and share with some listeners some thoughts, particularly those who might be struggling with grief right now, uh, those in which the, the bitterness of death has, has just kind of created this neck-wincing pain mm-hmm. in their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, I continue to, to marvel at how my dad's death has been a gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that might sound a little shocking. I don't. I don't mean that in terms of like good riddance. He's finally gone and out of my hair. No, 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 no. Not in the. Not in a gift in like where we're celebrating that he's gone. Uh, but it's it's remarkable to me how um, how death continues to be a gift as as someone who um, provides what I believe is still a powerful fatherly intercession from heaven. Um, but also just the witness that he provides his family in kind of blazing a trail. Mm. And, and I have, I've been with other people as a priest on their deathbeds. I've been with them at the very moment of death. Mm. I've, I've lost grandparents and, and other dear friends. Um, but I think, his, I think his, his, his passing from one realm of living to another realm of living is really a, a fundamental gift for a person of faith to receive and to delight in. Um, as someone who has, has blazed a trail um, in which death I don't think becomes so scary when you know that you have all these loved ones, you have uh, you know cherished saints in your corner cheering you on from the other side. Uh, it creates quite, actually quite a bit of zeal and quite a bit of enthusiasm to want to have that reunion, not only with loved ones, but to have that reunion in the presence of the Trinity someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to kind of uh, banter for a little bit on this this idea of death as a gift. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts initially? Yeah, right away when you're talking about that, the pain that's so often associated with death, um, that r- surviving loved ones experience, it can be so disorienting on a worldly level, in a human level. It's so disorienting. Like, surrounding those moments of death there's often uh, things don't even matter right it's like you forget to eat sometimes different things that mattered a lot or that you cared about and thought about you know think about those things right there's just a lot of focus on family but then as you're reflecting on this there's actually this like reorienting experience as christians like you just said that your dad has please god like blazed a trail like for the rest of your family and friends that there's this reorienting that, oh, wait, how am I living my life? 
is it ordered toward the father? Like we were talking about recently with the mass. Um, and what a beautiful response to, yeah, death that's so present in our world that Jesus offers us this reorientation. Like death no longer has this disorienting sting like St. Paul talks about, but it can actually reorient us toward eternal life. That's like the hope. That's what we get to celebrate. Yeah. I, I think so often that, particularly in the relationship of a son and a father, young boys tend to look at their dad as kind of superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he gets up on the ladder and he paints the house or, you know, he, you know. Can I? What? Okay, this is really funny. Okay. This is this is give us your random association. This is thought not right random. It's very associated. Okay, and it totally illustrates what you're trying to say. Before I, I teaching, say it, yeah. Before you say, <laughs> it. oh yeah, of course. As people like the stories. Uh, I was teaching Totus Tuus, and I was asking these kids like what were like manly things. Who so they saying like really silly things? And then one little little boy said, "Riding a deer." I said, "What? That's that's absurd." Right, riding a deer. I, I suppose that could be manly. I met his parents at the potluck night and they said that that week his dad was up on scaffolding, fixing something on their house or painting the house or something and told his son there was a deer that was so close. He could have jumped off and rode it away into the sunset. So this little boy's image of masculinity was his dad riding a deer. Okay. Isn't that great? Yeah. Good story, father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to continue. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, My dad never rode a deer. Mm. I think he would have crushed the deer, but (laughs) maybe a big buck or something, but not a a small doe. Um, um, What was I saying? Anyways, superhero images of dad. Exactly. Yes. Riding deer and all. Um, How often I think sons look at their dads as these heroes and it wasn't easy in my dad's final months of his life to watch kind of the superhero figure who's always been a symbol and source of strength and comfort and stability uh, to really be fading in his own health. It's never easy for a son to watch that of his own dad, let alone any child of any parent. Um, but from the perspective of faith, to know that there is kind of this superhero reality of moving forward into eternal life uh, and knowing that, well, dads blaze that trail. Hmm. Uh, I, I think the faith in that regard of, of passing from one realm into the next is very comforting hmm. when family members have kind of gone and done that before you. Uh, and, I, and I know, you know, I, I just believe that he sensed, you know, his own ancestors summoning him forward hmm. uh, to be part of the communion of saints. Um, and what's been such a blessing is... Um, there's never been a day where I've thought of my dad as dead. Hmm. Never a day. Uh, I've just never thought of him as this, you know, dead body in a tomb. I've always thought of him as very much alive. And of course, this is, you know, this is what we as, as Christians believe with the whole gift of, of soul and spirit, um, which outlasts the body. And we'll be reunited to the body someday at the final resurrection of the dead, but that's another topic. Hmm. Um, I've just never thought of him as dead. Hmm. Very, very much alive, and I was never looking forward to um, doing the the funeral of a parent. Mm. I was just kind of dreading that, just the thought of incensing the coffin, uh, knowing mom or dad were there. Just never was never really that, you know, interested in doing that or looking forward to it. And yet, uh, what a gift it was! What a gift it was to be able to to celebrate mass at my dad's bedside and offer him his viaticum. Mm. What a gift it was to lead the family in a rosary, divine mercy chaplet, and to anoint him in his final hours. 
uh, just because you wanted him to have those graces and you wanted him to be comforted by the assurances of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those assurances of faith continue even through the, the uh, liturgies of the funeral rite itself, mm-hmm. wanting the sacrifice of the Mass to be offered up for the repose of his soul and watching the funeral liturgies comfort and console family members and friends mm-hmm. who are all gathered by the, by the, the casket. Um, it's just remarkable to me that in the midst of loss and in the midst of separation, the amount of gifts that can come forward in all of this mm-hmm. and continue to be so. I think what's so helpful hearing you say this is seeing in a lot of people seeing maybe in myself sometimes to the, the temptation to want to run away from death, from how scary it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially surrounding funerals, like celebrating some of those, my pastor took many of those um, in Lamar's, but having celebrated some funerals, there's this obvious uh, uncomfortability that people have. Um, when I was in seminary, there was a, uh, I think he's a priest now from Africa, and they went and visited a, a, a funeral home um, just to like sort of be familiar with the different different things that happen, um, and the uh, mortician was explaining things. And the, the African said, why don't, why don't you treat your dead people like they're dead? Like you, you try to kind of cover it all up and like try to like, you know, like distract yourself from the mm-hmm. whole experience of it. And I've noticed that because of a particularly uh, strong, a beautiful experience of a funeral of a, of a young mom in her thirties, everybody lingered at the, at the grave site. And often that's not what happens. People just boom, get out there as, as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're leaning into here is recognizing death itself not like the concept of it, but like this particular transition from one life to the next is a gift. Um, and if le- like it's only recognized as such because you've been able to lean into it mm-hmm. rather than just try to run away from it. Um, and I think the funeral liturgy as Catholics, it offers us the, the space to lean into it mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people don't often get. So I just, I just hope that I don't hope people experience the, the suffering of death, but it's going to come mm-hmm. <laughs> to all of us. And what it does, I, I hope that the, the gifts that the church has given us over time, these beautiful liturgies, these prayers, um, the sacraments that accompany the dying process, that, that can be a moment for people to lean into it like you've been able to um, and to receive so much from that. Um, because like Christ has conquered death and like through his death, he's put sin and death. I'm just going to say death again. <laughs> to death like mm-hmm. he's put it back he's put it in the tomb and he's risen from the dead so there's a hope that we look toward death with um, not a, like an excitement um, but there is a hope that there's something more right yeah I had the opportunity to go to a funeral in a funeral home in Hong Kong China wow and um, on the island of Hong Kong well it's a series of islands but land is at a premium and so they don't have space for cemeteries and so I think it was a city law or a, a regional law that everyone had to be cremated, um, which is sometimes often done in Asia, but especially in very large populated areas where there's no land for cemeteries and full casket burials. The, um, there was, it wasn't a religious funeral home. It actually it felt pretty bland and generic and, and pretty sterile, actually. And um, the body was in a casket, but was it was actually displayed on a conveyor belt up front. And, uh, conveyor belt. Yeah, and so a family could come in and kind of rent the room, and then and I was there with a Catholic priest, and uh, we were doing the. I, I was just assisting him, and he was he was leading these funeral rituals, 
And um, at a certain point when the, the funeral ended, it wasn't a full mass. It was kind of just a, a, the funeral right outside yeah. of the Eucharist. With some readings and prayers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at a certain point when the funeral ended, everyone just kind of stepped back and the staff members pushed a button and the conveyor belt, just kind of like at an airport, the conveyor belt just took the casket down like through a little trap door and then and that was it. Hmm. And the body was just taken away to go be cremated. Now there is a beauty that the full body was present, yeah. which is the church's preference prior to cremation for all these prayers. Um, but it was an extremely sterile uh, experience where your loved one was just kind of taken by a conveyor belt into this back room of nothingness that mm. you didn't really know what was back there. Uh, and it, it, I was reminded of that as you were speaking of this African of not really being a- allowed to lean into the experience of death, not being right. able to allow to, to linger there and to, to embrace death in all of its harshness and rawness. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's in that harshness and the raw reality that's actually where Jesus wants to meet us most mm-hmm. and comfort us in moments of grief. An alum of Conception Abbey, where I went to college seminary, he went, he was helping me kind of discern the priesthood in high school, and he was mentioning that he really hoped I could experience a monk's funeral, mm. which I did. At, right as when I was a senior, it, there were no funerals for three years, and then the fourth year there was. And it was what was powerful was there were no, like, I mean, they're not like a rustic community by any means, but there were no kind of contemporary, like, um, kind of the things like the little carts or whatever. It was just like there was a wood box, and some of them, like, were made by the monk himself, like made his own casket. That's pretty powerful. Um, but they they carried the the monk's body in the casket and then just, like, lowered it with straps themselves into the ground. And it was probably the most beautiful was – each member of the community or members of the family kind of threw like a sprinkle of holy water, but then they all just like started shoveling dirt on top. Um, and it was stark and it was like, it was real and it was raw, but it was also so very human. And it just like allowed these men to feel the loss, but also the anticipated hope of the resurrection of, of their beloved like this this brother that they'd known for for decades um but because they were able to like express that grief express that um difficulty in the raw emotion in the midst of that liturgy um and to carry him and to use shovels um i think it allowed some of that like kind of kenosis to come out but then to be open for the hope that's also present in the mass and in the prayers Mm -hmm. yeah so I would hope that for our listeners who are, are kind of tuning in here and who might be dealing with a lot of grief, might be recent grief, maybe it's really unresolved grief from the mm-hmm. past that continues to linger. Um, you know, you might just want to take that to prayer and not only ask Jesus to comfort you in your unresolved grief, uh, but to, to go to prayer and to say, what is it that I really believe in the power of eternal life? And what is it that I believe in the mercy of Jesus? What is it that I believe in the, in the intercession of the saints? Um, I know it's difficult when someone passes and you might be really questioning their salvation based on their lifestyle choices, um, based on their readiness to kind of commit themselves in union and relationship with God while on earth. I know that can be very, very challenging for people. But nevertheless, the opportunity to express our faith and to find comfort in our faith in the midst of these very, very painful realities that can come with us 
I think opens the door. It opens the horizon to see that these deaths can be an ongoing gift to us. Mm. That might sound paradoxical, to, especially to somebody in the midst of, of really tormenting grief. Um, but to see that, no, when doors open and that, the, and that the faithful of the Lord are invited into something much greater and that their intercessory role with their fatherly or motherly presence in our lives is actually expressed more profoundly than what they could do for us on earth, mm. uh, that helps the grieving process. You know, help, the faith really is a medicine for the grieving process. It's not a band-aid to just ignore it. It actually helps to kind of anoint and heal from within and let new life come forth in that as we deepen our relationships with the Lord, but also as we deepen our relationship with our loved ones, even beyond death. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I think one last practical thing that comes to mind is uh, to offer Mass for your loved ones, whether Catholic or not Catholic, but to offer Mass. A lot of people don't know that it's possible. I think just that the beautiful tradition of that has kind of died out in a lot of parishes. Um, but every Mass that's celebrated, for the most part, pastors celebrate one Mass each weekend that's for the people of the parish. But for the most part, every Mass that's celebrated has an intention. That can be for somebody who's alive, but particularly for somebody who's dead. Um, some people get caught up in like the maybe like an antiquated idea of purgatory that it's like I have to like kind of release or like they're going to be trapped in this prison forever unless I offer a certain number of masses. But it doesn't need to be that kind of anxiety-ridden experience. But it actually is really beautiful that you can go and that continued experience of processing that grief can happen in a mass that's being offered for your loved one. So um, all of your parish secretaries would be happy <laughs> mm-hmm. to help you do that. Absolutely. Uh, a beautiful way to continue to allow the – um, that transition that you spoke so beautifully about um, of a loved one from one realm to the next to kind of break into our own lives as well. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, good being with you, Father, as we kind of just meditate on some of these deeper realities. Um, thanks for all your insights, and uh, let's keep one another in prayer. God bless, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.